My name is Dr. Kelly Oriaki. Again, um, this is BCH211. And like we uh, were told the last time, that I'll start my next lecture from chemical reactions of monosaccharides. But just before we start this lecture, just a quick uh, a quick overview of what we were taught the last time. Remember, we're looking at the general properties of carbohydrates, and um, carbohydrate is could be monosaccharide divided into three forms: monosaccharide, disaccharide, and polysaccharides. And uh, last week we dealt very exhaustively on monosaccharides. Monosaccharides, like we are told, examples of monosaccharides are glucose, fructose, um, xylose, ribose. Those are examples of monosaccharides. And of course, the simplest form of monosaccharide is the glyceridide, which is the triose, uh, the triose sugar. And then uh, we also told that uh, we have two forms of sugar in that form. We have the hardose sugar and we have the ketose sugar. The hardose sugar is when the functional group is at carbon one and ketose sugar when the functional group is at carbon two. Of, uh, for example, glucose and fructose respectively. That means the, uh, the functional group is referred to as the carbonyl functional group. So if you look at the structure of glucose, it's a structure of one to six. The first carbon there is CHO, that's the carbonyl group. That's C double bond hydrogen. While the last, which is carbon six, is CH2OH. That's the alcohol methyl group. That's the one, the part that the OH is attached to. And if you observe closely, you see that uh, at carbon five of glucose, there's OH to the right, and then um, OH, and then hydrogen to the left. And when the OH is to the right at carbon five, it is referred to as D-glucose. It means it is dextrorotatory. When the carbon is, when the OH is to the left, it is level rotatory. That's L-glucose. But it has been established that D-glucose is more predominant than the L counterpart. So that's um, an overview of what you should know. Um, examples of a, of an adult sugar is glucose, xylose, irrespective of the type of the uh, number of carbon. The xylose which is, is also um, a, a five-carbon sugar. We have. Uh, um, we have ribose, we have uh, other forms of sugar. We have erythrose, which is a four carbon sugar, but for the keto sugar, they are referred to as erythrulose, ribulose, you know, xylulose, uh, uh, fructose, as against the six carbon sugar, which is exosugar, uh, fructose. Okay, that is it. Now, coming to this class, the chemical reactions of monosaccharides. Monosaccharides take, take part in a variety of chemical reactions. Number one, 
formation of aceta and keta like i explained last time i think i also gave you the structure the carbonyl group of the anomeric carbon uh, uh, what is anomeric carbon anomeric carbon is the carbon in which the functional group is attached to for example the carbonyl group is a functional the carbonyl functional group is attached for example in glucose at carbon one so that's carbon one is the anomeric carbon of glucose but when it, the, the functional group which is the carbonyl group is attached at to carbon two of fructose so carbon two is the anomeric carbon of fructose i hope you understand so the carbonyl group of anomeric carbon the carbonyl group of anomeric carbon in glucose carry out with the hydroxy group so if you look at that structure again take a look at the structure of glucose you see that the carbonyl group which is at carbon one can react with the hydroxy group at carbon five form a compound known as acetal. for their reaction with another molecule of alcohol we yield acetal and a molecule of water so that's uh, one of the reactions of monosaccharide they can form acetal they can also form keta i remember keta is formed from a cis carbon sugar but this time the functional group is at carbon two for example fructose so the functional group of at, at, at carbon two which is also their numeric carbon can react with carbon with the hydroxy group at carbon five to form a keta so that's a emi keta okay so similarly the carbonyl group of ketos of a ketos can react with one molecule of alcohol to yield amine a keta number two formation of amines monosaccharide can also form amines the anomeric carbon of either an adose or a keto sugar can react with liquid ammonia to form glycosyl amine glycosyl amine glycosyl amine number three they also react with some agents and because of that the sugar could be reducing or not reducing so we have reducing and non-reducing sugar carbohydrates are classified as reducing and non reducing sugar due to the presence of free aldehyde and keto groups on the molecule of some carbohydrates they are capable of reducing metal ions such as silver copper in an alkaline solution i get our expression here now if you look at the structure of taking glucose as an example look at the structure again um, the glucose structure you observe that at carbon one that is where you have the carbon that the carbonyl group which is the functional group at carbon one cho or the c double bond c double bond o with an id okay that's um, um that's a, a uh, sorry that's the aldehyde or rather the hydride group attached to it okay now due to the presence of this aldehyde group it is said that the presence of aldehyde group can reduce ions such as silver and copper in alkaline solution 
okay carburetor which have such reducing properties are known as reducing sugar for example glucose and fructose if you look at the structure of glucose it has that property as a carbonyl group at carbon one and fructose as the carbonyl group at carbon two so they have the features and so because they have this feature they are reducing sugars they have the reducing property those carbohydrates that do not have such properties are known as non-reducing sugar for example sucrose now this will be explained in details later all right the two most commonly used alkaline solutions are benedict solution and failing solution this again you already know your biology days uh when they ask when you you'll be asked to do the test for uh, uh, sugar and one of the commonest tests for sugar is benedict solution only reagent or ferrous reagent of, of course benedict uh, solution is copper sulfate in the presence of sodium citrate and carbonate while ferrous solution is copper sulfate in the presence of sodium hydroxide and sodium potassium titrate all right these are the constituents of uh, benedict solution and ferrous solution now ferrous is a common reagent that we use for dictating reducing sugars. The free carbonyl group in the reducing sugar, for example, glucose, is oxidized when heated with failing solution. The same thing goes for Benedict solution. Now, what you observe that you see that there will be a reduction of the copric uh, ion to a copros ion, and subsequent precipitation of copric, uh, copric oxide uh, from from the alkaline solution as a red so solid so that means a red precipitate is formed now if you observe uh, if you are observant on the bench for those of you that have done benedict uh, testing or felix solution testing they will tell you that when you had benedict solution or felix solution to the sugar molecule and you take it to the water bath to eat you observe a coloration that coloration could be red it could be uh purple uh no it could, it could be brick red it could, it could be um that color okay so when you observe that color you see that the sugar is a reducing sugar when there's no color change you see the sugar is not a reducing sugar i hope you understand so now the reaction involves the reduction of copric to copros ion now the reduced copric ion is then allowed to react with arsenomolybdic acid or iodine or other oxidizing agent this reaction uh, this reaction will give you whether the sugar is reducing or not that's for reducing sugar and not reducing sugar now glucose and fructose are examples of reducing sugar as a matter of fact all monosaccharides are reducing sugar they can turn red coloration red precipitate brick red precipitate with benedict reagent or failing solution so they are all reducing sugar because it contains the free carbonyl group at carbon one which is the aldehyde group at carbon one of of the of the sugar okay but when the carbonyl group is engaged for example in sucrose 
you find out that the carbonyl group of both constituents that form sucrose remember i told you in my last class that sucrose is a combination of glucose and fructose form sucrose so when glucose and fructose are bonded together by a glycosidic bond okay a glycos in this case an alpha one two now there's a reaction between um, and the carbonyl group of glucose and that of the or that of fructose to form an alpha one two so the, there's a bond at uh, the glucose the carbonyl group or the cardiac group at carbon one we bond or bind to the uh, keto group at carbon two of fructose so that's where you get alpha one two now if you observe these two functional groups are no longer free and because they are no longer free we say it is non-reducing and so sucrose is termed a non-reducing sugar all right number four formation of sugar acid adose or adosis can be oxidized by weak oxidizing agent example a weak oxidizing agent is alkaline allo iodides or alkaline uh, uh, or alkaline allochloride these are examples of weak oxidizing agent and also some specific exam to form a salt so they can form sugar acid this reaction is a specific reaction for adults hence we can use this reaction to distinguish between adults and ketos sugar Okay, because it is specific. Keto sugar do not form uh, uh, sugar acid except uh, uh, adult sugar. Okay, now if you look at the structure of adult sugar, example of an adult sugar is glucose or even xylose or ribose. Look at the structure. You find that at carbon. Uh, one you find that that carbon one of uh, uh, glucose which is CHO which is the aldehyde group functional group can be oxidized by a weak oxidizing agent to form adonic acid to form adonic acid so when that when that when the CHO is oxidized it forms COOH COOH at carbon one, so it it is referred to as adonic acid. But for glucose, which is D glucose, the aldehyde group is oxidized to form the carboxylic acid at that carbon one, and the name is called gluconic acid. Gluconic acid. So when, when you're asking your exam, the reaction between D-glucose and weak oxidative agent, you, you know the answer, gluconic acid. When a strong oxidative agent such as sodium, uh, hydrogen nitrates reacts with D-glucose, the anomeric carbon atom bearing the aldehyde group and the carbon six bearing the hydroxymethyl carbon 
are completely oxidized to carboxylic acid. I will explain. Now, taking an adult sugar, for example, whether glucose, ribose, or xylose, the first carbon is the aldehyde group, CHO, which is the uh, carbonyl group. The last carbon is carbon six, for example, in glucose. If it's, if, if it's uh, a pentose sugar, the last carbon will be carbon five. If it is um, a, 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 a pentose sugar, yeah, last carbon, uh, carbon five is exos. The last carbon is the last uh, carbon is carbon six. If it is um, erythrulose, which is a four carbon sugar, the last carbon is carbon four. Okay. Now, when these sugars are oxidized with a strong oxidizing agent, it forms the aldehyde group at carbon one is oxidized. Why the why the uh, CH2OH? I mean the 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 carbon cis or rather the carbon the part that is attached to the OH group is also oxidized simultaneously. Such compounds we call we generally call them adiric acid. Example: If the glucose is oxidized with a strong oxidizing agent, it forms glucaric acid. Now, as, as, for emphasis, if the glucose is oxidized with weak oxidizing agent, it forms gluconic acid. But when it is oxidized with a strong oxidizing agent, it forms glucaric acid. I hope you understand the difference between gluconic and glucaric. For gluconic, only carbon one is oxidized to the carboxylic group, carboxylic acid. Only carbon one of glucose, which is the IDI group, is oxidized to COOH. But for glucaric, both carbon one and carbon six are oxidized completely to COOH. That means the CHO in carbon one is oxidized to COOH, while the CH2OH at carbon six is oxidized to COOH. The compounds are generally called uronic acid. Okay, I beg your pardon. Now, when bacteria now act on glucose or the glucose is oxidized by a catalytic oxidation then glucose is converted to a compound in which only the c6 bearing the oh group is oxidized to carboxylic acid now now look at the difference when a strong oxidizing agent Act on D glucose, both carbon one and carbon six is completely oxidized. But when it is acted by a bacteria, when D glucose is acted upon by a bacteria, or a catalytic oxidation of uh, as, it, as, as, as it may be, we cause a conversion of only the carbon six to be completely oxidized to carboxylic acid. 
The compounds are generally called huronic acid. For example, for glucose, it is called glucuronic acid. Glucuronic acid. Glucuronic acid. That's the name. That is only when carbon six is is completely designed to COH for summarily let me summarize now when d-glucose is oxidized with a weak oxidizing agent only carbon one is oxidized from CHO which is the aldehyde group to COH and such name is called adonic acid for example glucose will be termed gluconic acid but when the same sugar or d-glucose is oxidized with a strong oxidizing agent for example, nitrates as, as a strong oxidizing agent. Both C1 and C6 will be completely oxidized to COH. The C1, which is CHO, which is the aldehyde group, will be converted to COH. While the C6, which is the hydroxy methyl carbon, which is the CH2OH, will be oxidized to COH. Such name, general name or generic name, we refer to as adaric, adaric acid. But if it is glucose that is involved in this reaction, it is glucaric, glucaric, different from the first one, gluconic. This is glucaric acid. But when this same sugar to be specific, D-glucose is acted upon by a bacteria or, sorry, by bacteria or by catalytic oxidation. Only the C6, which is the hydrogen metal carbon, CH2OH, is completely oxidized to carboxylic acid. Such generic name is referred to as uronic acid. And if glucose is involved in that reaction, it is referred to as glucuronic acid. I hope you understand the summary. Okay, let's move on. Number five, formation of fufuras. When monosaccharides are dehydrated using strong minerals, mineral acids, fufuras are produced. When monosaccharides are dehydrated using strong mineral acids, fufuras are produced. For emphasis, please, I want you to hit your textbook. Look for the structure of fufuras. Number six, monosaccharide can also form ozones, which is osazones. They react with excess phenylhydrazine. Now take note of the compound in which glucose or any of the monosaccharide can react with phenylhydrazine in slightly acid solution at a very high temperature, an osazone is formed. An osazone is formed. Please take notes. Phenyldroxine plus 
glucose will give rise to osazone. Any form of monosaccharide. Osazones are not soluble in water, hence they can be crystallized. Number seven, formation of ozines. Monosaccharides also undergo additional reaction with hydroxylamine to form oxines. Please take note. They react with hydroxylamine to form oxines. Number eight. They also form sugar alcohols. Sugar alcohols. Monosaccharides can undergo reduction to form sugar alcohol. For example, the carbonyl group of a sugar can be reduced. Can be reduced. For example, when the glucose reacts with hydrogen, it forms glucitol, another name for sorbitol. It forms glucitol, another name for sorbitol. Okay? So, when a monosaccharide or sugar reacts with hydrogen as a reducing agent, it forms sugar alcohols. That's a That's a Remember the last time we talked about carbohydrate divided into three forms. Now we have discussed monosaccharides exhaustively. Now we are about to talk on the, the subtitle disaccharide. What is disaccharide? Disaccharide is when two monosaccharides are covalently bond together. What we get after that bonding is referred to as a disaccharide. The covalent bond be formed as a result of the linkage of two monosaccharides by a glycosidic linkage is referred to as disaccharide. This glycosidic bond is usually formed when the anomeric carbon of one sugar forms a covalent bond with the hydroxy group of the other sugar. Now, the structure you see on the slide is the reaction between alpha glucose and a beta glucose to form maltose. Maltose is a disaccharide sugar. When two, two monomeric sugar come together under hydrolysis and condensation, it gives you maltose. And the product of that reaction is alpha glucoparanosi 1,4-D glucoparanose. It means that the first glucose that is involved in the reaction is an alpha glucose, an alpha. Alpha means that when the OH is below the plane, but beta is when the OH is above the plane. But what is striking here is that the hydroxy group 
of one of the sugar we bind to the adiide group of the other sugar to form a glycosidic linkage in this product maltose only one end is free and so one end of the carbonic carbon or group is free and so maltose is a reducing sugar the most common disaccharide that we know are sucrose lactose and maltose like i've explained just now maltose is composed of two glucose residue with glycosidic bond linking the c1 which is the anomeric carbon of one of the sugar with c4 of the second glucose so you can see why it is called alpha 14 alpha 14 because there is a reaction between carbon 1 of the first glucose molecule and carbon 4 of the second glucose molecule that linkage like you saw in the diagram i showed you just now you find that that linkage is what we refer to as alpha 14 which indicates that the oh group of the anomeric carbon is in the alpha position like i told you when it is in the alpha position it means that the oh is below the plane of the ring and forming a glycosidic leakage with the c4 of the other sugar the carbonyl group of the anomeric carbon of the second sugar is free and so it can be oxidized hence maltose is a reducing sugar it external enzymes for example mantis can hydrolyze the alpha 14 to yield two molecules of glucose so the motors can be hydrolyzed by the enzyme maltase to form two molecules of d glucose so you can see the reaction again maltose can be reacted can be acted upon by an intestinal enzyme or even like we are told in our biology days that mantis is also found in the mouth okay to break down uh, uh is it mantis now okay because that is amylase the mantis is intestinal so it can break down to form two molecules of d-glucose lactose is also an example of a disaccharide like uh, lactose is a constituent constituent of two monomeric sugar glucose d-glucose and d-galactose galactose is generally found in milk secreted from a mammary gland of animals during lactation it is a reducing disaccharide because the carbonyl group of the glucose moiety is also free like we have explained for maltose lactose can be hydrolyzed also by intestinal enzyme lactase to yield 
molecule of glucose and one molecule of galactose. Lactase is also very important enzyme involved in the milk of a involved in a suckling infant, but decreases in activity as the infant grows older. So most adult Africans, Jews and Asians, cannot digest lactose due to the deficiency of the enzyme lactase, and they lack, and they are said to be lactose intolerant. So those people that lack the enzyme lactase are lactose intolerance. No wonder some persons when they take fresh milk, they start having stomach disturbances, watering diarrhea. Please, if you are in that category, do not take uh, milk again because it is rich in lactose. And so if you lack lactase, you can't be able to convert it to the smaller molecule, galactose and glucose. And so it will accumulate in the boy, and which can cause colic pain, and it's not very good and healthy for us. All right. It also for those that uh, flat all the time, flatulence. Uh, for those that are flat all the time, it, uh, it because uh, of uh, lack of lactase. Uh, for those that. Uh, <laughs> mess unnecessarily this effect could be removed by taking milk with low lactose content of course it doesn't mean that you cannot take milk but go for milk that has low lactose content of course if you remember for those of you that are uh, you, you you should find out why some milk are creamy why some are not creamy so maybe that's the reason sucrose Sucrose is the sugar we use in our homes in making bread and cakes. It is obtained commercially from either beets or cane. It is also found in very amounts in other plants. When I mean cane, sugar cane. Sucrose is composed of one molecule of glucose and one molecule of fructose. So the combination of glucose and fructose from sucrose, it is a non-reducing sugar because the anomeric carbon of both sugars are linked to each other. I think I've explained this in details. Sucrose can also be hydrolyzed by intestinal enzyme called sucrase, and ex- uh, which is also known as invertase to D-glucose and D-fructose. Now, like you can see, this is the structure of lactose. And sucrose now if you look at sucrose it is alpha one two bond uh, gal- uh lactose is beta one four now please take note of this mortose is alpha one four lactose is beta one four white sucrose is alpha one two please take note of this glycosidic bond very important because it can be misleading during the exam polysaccharide Polysaccharides are also called lacans. They are monomers of several monosaccharide units joined to each other by glycosidic bond. When monosaccharides are completely hydrolyzed by acid or enzyme, monosaccharide and their derivatives are obtained. What does it mean? It means that 
polysaccharides are polymers of several monosaccharide units meaning several sugar molecules or monomers of sugar molecules we come together one two three four five six bonded together by glycosidic bonds so what you see is a polysaccharide now d-glucose is the commonest monosaccharide found in polysaccharides although other monosaccharides also occur in d-manose d-fructose and l-galactose d-xylose d-arabinose d-glucuronic acid d-galatoronic acid and manuronic acid these are examples of polysaccharide but they are monomers that can form the polysaccharides okay i hope you understand monomers it can be it can be uh, the uh, linkage of one or two of these um, more than one or two of these um, sugar molecules can come together either either same of them or uh, very amount of this um, of this sugar can form the polysaccharide some polysaccharides are made up of the same monomeric units and when they are made up of the same monomeric units they are called homo polysaccharide the word homo means same or homoglycans for example starch is composed of d-glucose units starch you all know starch some of you eat starch you see starch in your gari you see some of you eat some of you are urubo so you eat starchy food so you know starch some of you have only used starch to starch your clothes so that's how starch look like but interestingly starch is composed of d-glucose only no other interference only d-glucose more than one or two three four five six seven up to 100 to 500 5000 they've come together to form a homo polysaccharide other polysaccharides are made up of different monomers and such polysaccharides are called heteral polysaccharides for example iauronic acid and con and chondrotin sulfate are examples of heteral polysaccharides polysaccharides also differ in their chain length and degree of branching that you see very shortly some polysaccharides serve as storage forms of monosaccharides in my last class i think i mentioned this exhaustively that we have storage form of monosaccharide which is a which is starch which is a polysaccharide and glycogen i told you that plants synthesizes starch and so the storage form of of starch in plant uh, sorry of uh, carbohydrate in plant is starch but that of uh, animals is glycogen of course we uh, starch glycogen can be stored in the liver can also be stored in the uh, can also be stored 
in the muzzle. Remember, stash can only be utilized by humans, but we do not synthesize starch. We do not synthesize starch, but we can only synthesize glycogen. Please take note of this. We can only synthesize glycogen, which can be stored in the liver and or in the muzzle. All right? So, why others form of polysaccharide servers structural elements in cells connective tissues of animals plants and microorganisms now this is an annotated diagram showing or rather depicting what a homo polysaccharide and a heteropolysaccharide look like now if you look at the one with the same color yellow it is a homopolysaccharide and when it is unbranched you see that you don't have any molecule branching off from it it's an unbranched uh, form but we also have the branch form of the same homopolysaccharide but both of them are stash but that, that brings us to stash in having in existing in two forms. One form of stash is amylose, and the other form of stash is amylopeptin. Now, like you can see here, the stash here is bonded by alpha 14, glycosidic bond of glucose moiety, more than one glucose moiety, forming the linear. Uh, the linear or if you would like you say the unbranched polysaccharide that's an example of an amylose it is a, it is linear form but why the branch is an example of amylopeptin which is alpha 14 but branches off at alpha 16 okay this will explain in details further but when it is heteropolysaccharide we have two monomer types which can also be unbranched and be branched. Now you see the one with different colors, pink, blue, uh, green, pink, you know, like that, blue, showing that it is um, heteropolysaccharide. Now, storage polysaccharide. Number one example of a storage polysaccharide is starch. Starch is the most important storage polysaccharide in plants, particularly in tubers, e.g., yams, tomatoes, etc., and in seed like maize and rice. And rice. Starch is made up of two glucose polymer, namely alpha amylose and amylopeptin. Alpha amylose is the linear chain containing only D-glucose units joined together by alpha-1,4 glycosidic linkage. Please take notes. So the glucose moiety in alpha amylose is bonded together by alpha 14 and it is linear chain which means unbranched the molecular weight of alpha amylose chain could vary from few thousands to about 500,000 dactons amylose are mostly non reducing it has both a non reducing end and a reducing end and because it has a reducing end it gives a characteristic blue color 
when it reacts with iodine of course when you are first of all before you uh, test one of the tests for starch is iodine first of all you hydrolyze it then you add iodine to it and so it gives you the characteristic blue color amylopeptin this is a very highly branched molecular weight but varies from few thousands to a high hundred millions or more so it's more very heavy so the d-glucose in amylopeptin are joined together by alpha 14 glycosidic bond but when it is branched off it is also branched to another molecule glucose moiety this time by alpha 16 so you see the difference between amylose and amylopeptin so one will ask you what is the difference between amylose and amylopeptin i'm sure with this you'll be able to answer this question amylopeptin gives rather than the blue color it gives a characteristic blue purple sorry purple to red color when reacted with iodine see that's another major distinct between and that distinguishes amylose and amylopeptin okay when they react with iodine amylose forms a blue color coloration but amylopeptin from purple to red color okay now this is the structure showing the structure of amylose and also showing uh, that of uh, amylopeptin glycogen is also another form of glycogen is also another form of storage polysaccharide glycogen is a storage polysaccharide glycogen is the storage polysaccharide found in animal cells like the liver and moses Glycogen may constitute about 7% of the wet weight of, li of liver. Glycogen is a homopolysaccharide made up of D-glucose units. Like amylopeptin, glycogen is highly branched and compact. So you are, uh, glycogen does not exist in their linear form, but rather they exist in, they exist in the branched form. So just like amylopeptin, all right? The main chain is joined together by alpha-1,4 glycosidic bond. Why the branch point is joined by alpha-1,6 linkage. Now you can see that glycogen is just like amylopeptin, all right? But the difference between glycogen and amylopeptin is that amylopeptin is starch, but glycogen is also which is cash is uh, synthesized from plants but um as uh, glycogen is a story for found in animal cells which I, like i told you it can be stored in the liver and also in the muscles okay but if you look at uh, amylopeptin and glycogen you see that they have the same kind of bonding the main the glucose uh, uh, residue is alpha 14 where the branch points where it is branch where it branches out from is alpha 16 please take note glycogen is a non 
reducing carbohydrate and gives red color with iodine it, it has the same characteristics with uh, amylopeptin starch and glycogen can be digested by an enzyme called alpha amylase present in the digestive tract of animals e.g saliva and pancreatic juice of course remember in our biology days we we are told of the word taline taline is rich in alpha amylase and so when you masticate the food in your mouth taline uh, will convert the carbohydrates to mantis remember uh, where it will now go to uh, to the stomach and uh, to the small intestine acted upon by mantis to the smaller units i mean you know you understand that's like right so those are the uh, process of digestion of carbohydrates like uh like we are seeing now uh, alpha amylase is an enzyme that can act both on starch because as human we take in starch okay but glycogen is synthesized by the body and glycogen can also be stored in the body so we, uh, uh, it is expected and they are all source of energy it is expected that when they undergo catabolism or metabolism in the body uh, enzymes such as alpha amylase should also be involved in such reactions uh, alpha amylase uh, is function is to attack the linear chain of the linear chain of starch or, or glycogen and hydrolyzes the alpha 14 glucosidic bond now if you look at the structure of starch or, or the structure of starch uh, in this case amylose or even amylopeptin and if you look at uh, that of glycogen you find out that there is a straight chain that chain is called the linear chain or the unbranched chain that chain can be acted upon by amylase randomly and when it when it attack it randomly it will it only cut through at alpha 14 glucosidic bond so when it does that it it can cut glucose moiety off if it cuts too glucose moiety off that could be month uh, uh montos you understand but if it cut one glucose moiety or uh, one glucose moiety moiety that is a uh, glucose you understand so the uh, that's how alpha amylase acts okay but it has its limitation it does not it cannot cut through the branch uh, storage polysaccharide you know why because it only acts on alpha 14 it doesn't act on alpha 16 now if you look at amylopeptin it branches off at a point at alpha 16 so alpha amylase cannot alpha amylase cannot uh, attack that uh, bond because it is specific for only alpha 14 so it, it cannot so when it, when it does that it leaves a mixture of glucose maltose and a resident core which contains the branch point known as limit dextrin okay alpha amylase cannot hydrolyze the branch point consisting of the alpha 16 linkages that I've explained. Now, the limit dextrin are hydrolyzed by the branching enzyme. Now, what now happened to that limit dextrin? The limit dextrin is the part that, the, it's called limit dextrin, the part that cannot be hydrolyzed by alpha amylase. That part that cannot be hydrolyzed is called limit dextrin. And for it to be broken down in your body, you need another enzyme called a debranching enzyme and the name of that debranching enzyme 
is alpha 16 glycosidase alpha 16 glycosidase okay by the combined action of amylase and the debranching enzyme alpha glycosidase starch and glycogen can be broken down completely into their d-glucose units uh, and small amount of motors are you understanding so it's it, it's a concerted effort between alpha amylase and alpha glycosidase and no wonder these are parameters that we now test during a diabetic study for example if we want to know whether our, our agent for treating diabetes is effective we do what called alpha amylase and alpha glycosidase in between activity okay so that is what you 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 see as you uh, move on for those of you that are going to take biochemistry as a a course as a subject and, uh, and as a feed of expertise so as you move on you understand what i'm trying to say for those of you that will be looking more on clinical biochemistry all right other story uh, polysaccharide include dextrans okay dextran example of this you, you have this you see dextran that's what they use in making a uh, gel for a uh, gel cephadex gel for uh, chromatography okay so it has its own constituents frutans inulin manas xylans arabinas if i were you i will eat the internet and check the constituents of these polysaccharides. They are storage polysaccharides. Okay, structural polysaccharides. What are structural polysaccharides? They give support and shape to cells, as well as serve as protective function. I, I, you know, in our first class, I said you should read, go and do, do a, some exhaustive study on the structure of cells. So for those of you that have done that, you know that uh, what I'm talking about, you will understand a full understanding that uh, structural polysaccharide is a component of the cell wall. Okay, they are usually found in the cell wall of microorganisms, plants, and animal tissues, and they are components of connective tissues. Okay, now, example of a structural polysaccharide is cellulose. The most abundant in nature is cellulose for example coughing which is almost 90 percent pure cellulose cardboard wood that you you all go they are all they are all made up of cellulose it is also the main constituent of the framework of plants so that's what cellulose is made up of so cellulose does not give color with iodine please take note of that it does not give color with iodine okay but it is a monomer of d glucose it is monomer of d glucose just like uh, uh, amylose but different from amylose because amylose is also a monomer of d glucose but it is also linear amylose is unbranched but are bonded together its glucose moiety are bonded together by alpha 14 but for cellulose the D-glucose are bonded together by a beta glycosidic leakage. So rather than having an alpha 1,4 like you see in glucose, sorry, like you have seen in amylose, 
and like you've seen in glycogen use it is a bitter one for glycosidic linkage okay and now this is different from the properties of amylose amylopeptin and glycogen why the alpha one for linkages in glycogen can be easily idolized by its external enzyme alpha amylase cellulose is idolized by the enzyme cellulose cellulose can be hydrolyzed by the enzyme cellulose but alpha 14 linkage of glycogen can be hydrolyzed by alpha amylase i think uh, even uh, of or amylose can be hydrolyzed by alpha amylase that have been uh, said but cellulose that is made up of beta 14 cannot be hydrolyzed you see the you see the misery there because it is an alpha one it is an alpha amylase it is only specific for anything alpha so it cannot uh, break beta bond it can only break alpha bond so that's the reason why alpha amylase cannot hydrolyze cellulose okay rather you need a specialized enzyme known as cellulose that can do that function all right and that enzyme that specialized enzyme are not found in humans but they are found in ruminant animal for example cow sheep horse you see this enzyme they can easily be broken down that's why when they eat food that is rich in fiber cellulose rich food they can break it down but we as humans we cannot digest or uh, break down cellulose okay even some bacteria can secrete this enzyme so there are some bacteria that can secrete cellulose and so they can they, they, they of course that's why some bacteria when you see wood wood uh, will start to uh, degrade because the bacteria has produced the exam cellulose which is acting on the cellulose uh, cellulose which is acting on the cellulose and is breaking it right now cellulose can be completely hydrolyzed by strong mineral seeds to yield d-glucose and partial hydrolysis of cellulose gives you cellobios now take note of this strong mineral acid will give you d-glucose that means completely broken down to d-glucose but when it is partially hydrolyzed it gives you cellobios please take note in the woody part of plants cellulose is etched together by complex lignin what is a lignin a lignin is made up of repeating units derived from conifera alcohol all right and what is hemicellulose uh, like the word emi like a, 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 a half of cellulose okay are homopolymers of these xylose now that's the, that's the difference between cellulose and hemicellulose hemicellulose is the is homopolymer of these xylose connected together by beta 14 glycosidic you see for cellulose the polymer the homopolymer is d glucose but for hemicellulose the almost polymer is Dizalus, but they are all connected together by beta 14 glycosidic linkage. Another structural protein, uh, polysaccharide, sorry, is chitin. It is found in invertebrates, e.g., exoskeletons of essence, crab, and lobsters. You can see them in essence, you see them in crabs. It consists of linear polymers of N acetyl D glucosamic 
glucosamine, sorry, it consists of a linear polymer of N-acetyl-D-glucosamine joined together by beta-1,4 glycosidic bond. Okay, so it's also beta-1,4 glycosidic bond, but rather than D-glucose, the, the linear polymer here is N-acetyl-D-glucosamine. Please take note, the monomer, the, the uh, the linear polymer of uh, of chitin is N-acetyl D-glucosamine, but that of cellulose is uh, uh, D-glucose. That are made up of cellulose, but bonded together by beta-1,4. Well, any cellulose is D-xylose, bonded together by beta-1,4. But chitin is N-acetyl D-glucosamine, joined together still by beta-1,4. All right. Example of structural polysaccharides are peptins. And hemicellulose. Pertins contains contain gal galactose, arabinose, galactoronic acid. Why pertic acid is the linear polymer of meta ester of D galactoronic acid. Now this is a, a example of cheating. Uh, sorry, structure of cheating. Like you can see, it is uh, bonded together by N-acetyl D-glucosamine, okay, one more, more, more of that, uh, by beta-1,4 glycosidic bond to another N-acetyl uh, N D-glucosamine, uh, like that. Glycosamine, glycosaminoglycan, sorry, glycos aminoglycan this is also known as acid mucopolysaccharide it is an example of a structural as well as protective polysaccharide they are found in the connective tissues in synovial fluid of the eyeball in the circulatory system in humans and in, I mean in, this, in the arteries they are also called proteoglycan now the word proteoglycan is, is it means that you have a almost 90 percent of carbohydrates but the protein there is just a uh, few okay the protein there is few that's why it's called proteoglycans all right the structure of mucopolysaccharide consists of recurring units of disaccharide each of which contain d-glucosamine and d-galactosamine these are the at least one of these sugar contain an acid group and either a sulfate or a carboxylate group example of a mucopolysaccharide uh, hyaluronic acid, heparin, and chondroitin. These are examples of uh, uh, glucoaminoglycan, glucoaminoglycan. Okay. Ex number one is hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is a heteropolysaccharide containing alternating units of D-glucuronic acid and N-acetyl-D-glucosamine, okay? It's, it's a heteropolysaccharide containing alternative unit of D-glucuronic acid. Remember I told you about glucuronic acid? Uh, if you can still remember when we said that the D-glucose at carbon cis is acted upon by an enzyme or a catalytic oxidation, only carbon cis of glucose will be oxidized to COH that forms huronic acid or for D glucose is glucuronic acid so that's the one that's one of that's one of the uh, units of higher huronic acid 
and N-acetyl D-glucosamine is also another unit. And they are linked together by beta-1,3 units or bonds to form a disaccharide, which is further linked to by a beta-1,4 to form the next repeating unit. So that's how hyaluronic acid it looks like. Okay, it is found in animal tissues and is idolized by the enzyme hyaluronidis. Okay, so it is idolized by the enzyme hyaluronidics. All right, heparin. Heparin is an acid polysaccharide that is usually found on the surface of many cells, e.g., the cell lining artery. It's also involved in the inhibition of blood clots, clotting. Uh, for example, for those of you that will be uh, doing clinical studies in the future, you find out that when you want to do some blood tests, there are containers to collect blood. Some containers contain heparin. Okay, the one with the um, the one with the blue cover, one with the blue cover contains heparin. Okay, inside. For those of you that we do your IT very soon, you observe what I am trying to tell you. There's heparin inside. The reason for the for the, the reason for adding heparin inside the tube is that when they put the blood inside, it helps to prevent blood clotting. Okay, so it acts as an anticoagulant. It acts as an anticoagulant. Its structure consists of repeating disaccharide residue, chondrotin. Now, chondrotin is a major component of extracellular material. Its sulfuric acid derivatives, e.g., chondrotin phosphate, also known as chondrotin A and chondrotin 6 sulfate, also known as chondrotin C, are the major polysaccharides of circuits, cartilage, tendons, connective tissues, corneas of the of vertebrates. It is similar in structure to hyaluronic acid, except that it contains alternating units of D-glucuronic acid and N-acetyl D-galactosamine. You know, remember in hyaluronic acid, it's of uh, N-acetyl D-galactosamine, you have N-acetyl D-glucosamine. That's for hyaluronic acid. But for chondrotin, it is almost the same structure. But the only difference is that uh, for chondrotin, you have D-glucuronic acid and N-acetyl D-galactosamine. That's the difference between chondrotin and hyaluronic acid. Okay? There are other mucopolysaccharides for example, dermatan sulfate, caractan sulfate, found in the corneal skin and bones. Please do well to, to read up this. Okay, now this is the structure of some of these uh, things I've been mentioning. Amin uh, uh, glycoaminoglycans, uronate uh, or uronic acid, chondrotin sulfate, caractan sulfate, heparin. These are examples. Now, these are some problems that you should do. Uh, for yourself, please take note of this. Draw the chemical structure of a named member of each of the following. So what is expected of you is to look at the first one, addo trials, and see an example of an addo trials. Draw the structure, name it. Kettle trials, draw the structure, name it. Addos tetros, the same thing. Addos exos, draw it, okay, like that. So what are asymmetric center, state the advance off rule. How many asymmetric centers are present in glyceridide, erythros, exosugar, 
answer with illustration please don't just give answer give illustration how would you differentiate between reducing and not reducing sugars give example so these are some of the questions that i, I could coin out uh, from this uh, lecture in our next class we'll be looking at another uh, area which is proteins and um, please if there's any question please send me a private message and i i am very very obliged to uh, respond to your question uh, thank you very much and god bless bye